Not to be too dramatic, but this summer, I fulfilled a childhood dream. I got to drive with my family to see the shorelines of Maine for the first time. I've had this dream since I was 12 years old. I grew up in the desert, and I can count the number of times I've been to the eastern shore on one hand. So needless to say, it was all delightfully thrilling. Of course, news of the trip made it into our family's 2022 Christmas letter. My oldest child usually pins these letters, and here's the line she included about me this last year. Quote, On the trip, Mom made fast friends with all Maine's fishers, and I stood embarrassingly on the side, wondering why she was harassing them. I guess I still have a long way to go before my shoreline presence is as good as Jesus is. It's an interesting tactic, though, don't you think? Likening the work of God's reign to fishing and commissioning fishermen to turn their focus from subjects with fins and scales and tails to ones with skin and hair and arms and legs. In our gospel reading from today, Jesus calls out to fishers twice. Follow me, he says, twice to two sets of brothers. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And on two different occasions, the fishers leave what they were doing immediately, the text tells us. Immediately, Peter and Andrew left their nets and followed Jesus. And then when Jesus called to James and John, they immediately left the boat that they were in, the nets that they were mending, and their father. The invitation Jesus made to them must have really caught their attention. Commonly, scholars emphasize that the impulse of the fishers to follow Jesus was a testament to their faithful obedience. And to some extent, that is happening here. But there is also more going on. Matthew gives some explanation as to why these fishers were so quickly hooked by Jesus' words. He packs his story with Old Testament references and allusions familiar to his original audience. In so doing, Matthew sets up his listeners to make a host of connections, almost immediately, between the nature of God's reign it's coming in the person of Jesus and their own liberation. But due to the reality that we are not Matthew's original audience, I hope that you will humor me as my family has to sometimes and allow yourself to get caught up in the literary fabric Matthew is weaving here. Imagine it like a net, twisted, knotted, and woven together at regular intervals for a particular purpose. Right at the beginning, Matthew interprets Jesus' arrival in Galilee and the disciples' seaside commissioning with an oracle from the prophet Isaiah. This is the first and most obvious of the Old Testament references Matthew makes in the passage. And lucky us, we got to hear it twice this morning. In framing the beginning of Jesus' ministry with this oracle from Isaiah 9, an oracle that documents a turning point in the history of Judah from oppression to liberation, 
Matthew announces that the light of God's deliverance can be found among God's people even now in the person of Jesus. While the exact period of the oracle is contested, Matthew's use of it still clearly communicates that Jesus was not only actively bringing bringing restoration to the ancestral lands of the Jewish people and their social economies. He did this so as to break the yoke of their oppression, as the text says. But he was also inviting them into the dawning of yet another new day. In fact, Matthew transitions from the hefty geography-laden oracle straight into Jesus' ministry tagline, hashtag repent, the kingdom of God is coming near. I'm not sure he worked with ministry architects before he chose that one. (laughs) Nevertheless, Jesus' choice was effective enough because very quickly he was able to commission four disciples, two sets of brothers, And interestingly, the phrase fishing for people is another Old Testament reference. We only have time for two this morning, I'm sorry. It harkens back to Jeremiah and other prophetic texts in which the metaphor of a fisher hooking people was often used as a euphemism to decry the rich who were exploiting the poor. In Jesus' day, fishing was not a free enterprise system but a state-regulated, elite, profiting system managed by the Roman Empire. Thus, Jesus' call to the artisan class of fishers to become fishers of people was at least, in part, an invitation to join him in recreating the matrix of their economic, if not familial, relationships, as the story attests. The call to discipleship in Matthew's Gospel is all-encompassing, It required the disciples to leave behind their former ways of life, to turn to Jesus toward God's kingdom and to all those whom God loves. But alongside the story of these faithful fishers, the often unspoken more going on in this passage is the story of God's own faithfulness. Barbara Brown Taylor reminds us that while these fissures reveal many aspects of the radical road of discipleship, we must remember this is not a story about us. It is a story about God and about God's ability not only to call us, but also to create us as people who are able to follow Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you a new creation. Whom better to inspire us to welcome what is emerging within us and among us here than fishers? Skilled at the liminal and pregnant with patient, patience, fishers. In proximity with all that is raw and fresh and awfully pungent at times, fishers. To fishers, Jesus called, and they came. When you think about yourself, what we're doing here in this place, our beautiful community, the city that surrounds us, I wonder what you see God creating. I wonder how you can attend and care for a tender new sprout. 
What nets may you need to leave behind in order to join God in this work? What boats might you need to get out of? Or simply, how might you need to follow God by simply resting? Remember, that's an important part in the creation story, too. To fishers, Jesus called, and they followed. May they and God inspire us to do the same and make in us a new creation. Amen.